Welcome to the Inner Glow Getter podcast, the podcast for you, the woman who is pushing the boundaries, expanding your consciousness, and doesn't take no for an answer. This podcast will help you reduce the overwhelm, tune back into you, take back control of your health, embrace your most authentic self, and show up as your most confident, aligned, and powerful you. We do the inner work together through the safe space for you to come learn, grow, and gain knowledge in areas of your life such as body confidence, hormones, feminine flow, money, well-being, spirituality, fitness, and mindset, and so much more. Let's get started. Hi, Corey. Um, welcome to the Inner Glow Getter podcast. I'm so, so, so excited to have you on the podcast. I've been following your Instagram page for a few months and I love your quotes. They always resonate with me. So I just wanted to say that right off the back. And um, I'd love to start with, um, like, how did you come to do what you do now? And could you tell us a bit about um, yeah, what, what attracted you to attachment styles and delving into this work? That's a very lovely questions because um, for me um, for a very long while I I had this uh, notion that I was attracting certain kinds of individuals you know I usually say that I attract two kinds of people I attract the ones that I am pursuing that don't like me the ones that are pursuing me or that I resonate with but I don't tend to like them so I noticed that there was this circle that was constant. I had a, I had a girlfriend before trying to date her. I was chasing her. Nothing happened, you know. But I had this Z to try to understand what is happening. So I was trying to understand. The first one came. The second one came. The third one. I could see the patterns, but I didn't understand what was happening. So mm. I was going out there trying to check everything possible. Um, I went to relationship coaching. I checked that I haven't had to move to masculine and feminine energy. So okay, this one is dead too. And the one that actually started this whole journey was when I read um, The Law of Human Nature by Robert Greene. So there was, there was a part where he was talking about seen beyond the mask. So then the next thing I saw was attachment schema. I was wondering, and I'm this kind of person that I can be a dreamer. <laughs> I say I have wandering thoughts, you know. So if I'm reading a book or reading an article, if I see something that interests me, I click it and continue reading that one. If I see another thing that interests me there, I click that and go to another page. Me At too. the end of the day, I Me might too. have opened 20 pages. Then what? Oh, no, this was not what I was trying to do. And I had to go back. So with that, when I go to attachment schema, what is this? You know, when I checked, I saw um, secure, autonomous, anxious, ambivalent, smooth avoidant. I was like, okay, what is going on here? I had to leave the book and went online to check. I think the first video I uh, then I went on YouTube, I started seeing other people talking about it. And I came to see Tyus Gibson work on YouTube. So 
I look through our videos and I say, wow, oh, now it's making sense. I had to look for all other materials concerning each of the books and read them. And where it became more open was when I did community behavioral therapy. So I now understood the beliefs that were the reason for all that, you know, I understood that the reason I was pursuing so hard was because I felt I wasn't good enough. Mm. I felt like I needed to do more. So when someone loves me, when someone is showing interest in me, because I fear I'm not good enough, I question their love. Mm. I feel it's not genuine, you know, and all that. And I, it's got me to understand that, oh, now I've seen what I've looked into. That was where it now became so glaring to me. Mm. So I started seeing, oh, this is an avoidant. Oh, this is a dismissive avoidant. Um, this is an anxious preoccupied. This is a fearful avoidant. You know, back then, I used to be a fearful avoidant that was leaning anxious. So mm. we all know the journey, it's not the destination, it's an healing journey, it's always a journey. So yes. even why, and another thing I noticed was, when after healing and all that, you know, during the journey, after my um, CBT course and NLP and life coaching and all that, mm. um, I noticed that, you know, yeah, I could feel secure on my own. I was not having anxiety or anxious by a lot of things like that. But when I got into a relationship, it was a different ballgame in that. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I so love that. Healing where you're, you're single, it's cool. But the test of that, test of that journey is when you get into a relationship. Mm. You know, that's when you get to be triggered a lot. You know, mostly yes. when you partner, usually it's definitely flopping. You triggered a lot. And it was a learning process for me, you know. Mm. I, had to be, I had to go back to read, oh, you know, oh, I see, oh, I understand. You know, in the early stage, it was easy, you know. But the more the triggers were coming, you know, the default setting was, my default state was not calling it. Because the reason most times that insecure individuals are advised not to date someone who is an insecure like them is basically because of those triggers. And this is when you're starting anxious, to... anxious, attached and dismissive avoidant, isn't it? Because that's a classic combination. That's yeah, yeah, that's a classic combination they're usually mm. attracted to each other that's a funny thing mm. so the reason for that is basically because the triggering would not be that much because if you're working on yourself as an anxious preoccupied you know um, it might take you some for the first few months it's easy you know to cope but when you're doing that and there's no you know suiting coming to your side it's easy to revert back to your default setting mm. but being conscious in, enough to know that okay well this is what i used to do this is what i don't i can't do again you know i can't yeah. be doing this because you know that your future is not a result of your 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 past is not equate your future right i love your that. future it's it's left for you to paint like a blank canvas for you to paint you know? And learn those things that, that they meet you. And basically, that was just what happened. That was mm. just the old. 
summarized journey. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. And, and it resonates so much. I know in my own journey about learning about attachment styles, and for me, it's quite recent, um, like the start of this year, but it was just like you described, like those triggers come up, especially when you're more conscious about it. And it's just kind of like holding yourself and going, oh, yep, that's my attachment style. Like that's another thing too. And, and it comes up again and again and again. And it's, it's not like a one-time thing that you fix, right? And yeah. Nah. <laughs> For someone who um, maybe has a, you know, has recently got into attachment styles or is just starting to learn about them, um, would you be able to just touch on the, the categories and um, which, yeah, of, it, of attachment styles? So you mentioned there's like, anxious attached and then mm, basically they we have four types you have the secure the anxious preoccupied uh, the dismissive avoidance and the fearful avoidance mm. yeah. so the secure individuals are usually kids you know which parents or caregivers were responsive and sensitive when they were young you know they grew up to become adults who, you know, emotionally stable. They're not emotionally reactive, you know. They can be independent and they can be loving towards a partner, mm. you know. And yeah. some of their characteristics, like things to look for in someone, to know someone that's a, a secure individual, is they are good with conflict, you know. They don't get so reactive in conflict, you know. They tend to be open. They share their feelings. You know, they this do is a have point to get your notebook stuff. out. Take notes on this one. <laughs> yeah, they do have good self-esteem. They're mm -hmm. not triggered. You know, uh, they're not easily triggered by you know, oh, you're short. You know, I don't like dating short guys, and they feel triggered because they have, they don't have that. They have the ability to manage their emotions, and they have things to do autonomy. You know. Mm -hmm. autonomously by themselves, you know, they don't resolve, revolve their relationship around their partner. Mm -hmm. They can be autonomous and they can carry the partner along, you know. Then you have the anxious preoccupied. These are kids, you know, they usually believe that their caregivers would not be able to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. Because usually their caregivers were inconsistent while they were young, you know, um, consistent, inconsistent and neglectful, you know. Um, these kids grew up to become adults that are scared of rejection. You know, they're scared of rejection and abandonment. Usually mm. kids who grew up with anxious preoccupied, some usually um, suffer from um, the father or the mother breaking up, divorce and all that, you know, and they are always scared of being rejected and abandonment, mm. you know, and they have this belief that they are not good enough. Mm. You know, and that, could, not, be, you know, that could be like all their physical needs are met, like, um, you know, they get yeah. their food put on the table, they go to school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But emotionally, so needs, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, emotional needs are met because most times parents tend to forget that um, when the child goes up, the emotional needs tend to shape the child's esteem and his view of life, mm. his perspective about life. You know, but most times parents are fond of just providing, you know, 
so I do this for you, I do that for you. Don't you know I love you? you know? mm. And those kids that grew up, you know, having the fear of rejection can be clingy, you know? Yeah, they often seem clingy and possessed. They take things personally a lot. Remember, they have a low self-esteem. They feel that they are not good enough. Mm. They are so scared of rejection. Uh, can be very jealous, you know, and usually want so much closeness, a lot of closeness, you know, because they are scared of being abandoned. So the way to not to be abandoned is to be close to you. Yeah. But they pursue too much, they pursue too hard, they usually build their life around their partner. So, mm. And they can be people pleasers and codependent, you know. Everything is around their partner. Everything they want to do is around their partner. You know, they don't have. They usually don't have an identity of themselves. Their identity is built around their partner, around people. Mm. And that's for those that are anxious, preoccupied. Then you have the avoidant, but the dismissive avoidant. You know. Yeah. <laughs> the funny set of human beings. Mm. They are usually emotionally distant. You know. They can be very focused. When you look at them, they, they usually can be that person in the office that is very focused and independent, you know? Don't usually need others to help them. I got it all. Mm-hmm. And all these things stems from how they were raised. You know, their parents are usually distant, unresponsive, you know, usually frowns when they show emotion. So they learn to bottle up a lot of emotions. They learn to understand that being vulnerable is not a good thing, you know? Because mm, that didn't feel safe when they were a child, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not usually open, you know. Um, one of the characteristics of them is that they're usually rigid, you know. Um, they are not open. You know? They send a lot of mixed signals, you know. Uh, they're saying something and doing another thing. One minute, minute they want you, you know. Uh, those are the kind of people that casual sex is okay for them. You know? mm-hmm. see sex is casual. For people that are anxious, they don't know what is casual sex. If they're having sex, they are in love with the person. Mm-hmm. For those that are avoidant, there's love, there's sex. You know? mm-hmm. I can have sex with you. It doesn't mean that we are dating. It doesn't mean I love you. Mm-hmm. That is how... The avoidance are, you know, they find it hard being vulnerable, you know, usually. And when things get very emotional for them, they pull away. They're the kind of people you go to date with, you know, you have this lovely date, you know, things were so lovely, you probably him or her, you know, so much emotions are flying and they just disappear. Mm. For two days or three days, it just disappeared. And you're wondering why so after all this, you know, I was expecting that you send me a lovely message in the morning and all that to just disappear, you know? But like a client of mine said, it felt like an emotional hangover. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it was so funny when she said it. I was like, it felt like it was, it was too much for them because they are not the kind of emotional people. No, they so they, they identified as dismissive avoidant and they called it emotional. Yeah, hangover. they dismiss it and they dismiss <laughs> the avoid. Anything that is emotional, they dismiss it and they avoid it. It's mm. quite easy to do that. 
system easier route to take than you know so at, these are the kind of people that when you talk with them you know you're having an emotionally charged topic they just get up and leave oh wow mm. yeah just get yeah. up and leave i've had clients say that you know oh i have his boyfriend you know his bed is very big and you know uh there's a way i know that He's emotional. People also feel that dismissive avoidance are no emotion, but it's a lie. They're very mm-hmm. emotional, but they are they they have a very high fence to word of that. You know, you get to suppress those emotions so much, but in some states you can see their vulnerability. And the moment they get a glimpse of them being vulnerable, they build the walls up. Yeah, you know, it's like comes down. <laughs> sliding door <laughs> you take it back up you know <laughs> you can be you can be cordially and they are being so sweet and all that and all of a sudden it's okay is enough i'm going honey what what i don't get why so sweet just now why are you doing this you know mm. because it's the the anxious avoidance cue at that point is like oh i've got to get closer like oh i've got to and they often think in their brain like I need to fix them or I, I can help them through this. And yeah. it's like a, yeah. like a chase, like, yeah. <laughs> and that's the reason, that, that's the funny thing because the anxious uh, preoccupation is triggered by distance. Uh, the dissonance avoidance is triggered by closeness. Mm. So the more close, the more you're trying to get close to the dissonance uh, avoidance, the more they want to run away. Mm. I love your quotes that you have about the dismissive avoidant because I've never identified as dismissive avoidant, but I've certainly dated a lot who have, were definitely dismissive avoidant. Like, I don't think they would know it, but they definitely are. And, but your quotes about like, it's safe to be close or it's safe to, um, yeah, those, those resonate a lot and just having a bit more compassion for and understanding why they are that way, because especially because, the way it's in the media is these these roles are kind of um, emphasized in a way, like uh, especially like gender based, like women being more more anxious avoidant, as oh, anxious attached or anxious preoccupied. Sorry, yeah, and that like um, you know building their life around someone and um, and yeah that that passion and the and the, you know everything must be about the partner. And then the dismissive avoidance, like the cool guy, the bad guy, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's all um, emphasized in the media anyway. Funny enough, uh, that's how the media has always, has always played it. And if you look at it mostly, a lot of ladies have been nurtured to be like the anxious preoccupied. Mm. It's one thing I've noticed. Because when you see public opinions or a lot of coaches that say, oh, Ladies need a lot of uh, reassurance, you know. Men don't like being emotional. All are just talking about the attachment style. Most men grew up where they were told not to show emotions. Being showing emotions is, means that you are weak. You know? mm-hmm. They often say that, oh, you are weakly. Showing emotions is tag weakly. You know? So most men suppress their emotions um, and they are scared of being vulnerable to the partner, oh, if I'm vulnerable to her, you know, means I'm weak. And most ladies have seen that to be men. Mm. When they see a guy that is vulnerable, ah, they feel like, oh, he's just a loser. You know, I like men, that is a man, that's mm. masculine, you know, that's face. Mm. All that usually is just for 
that those beliefs they've had, which uh, relates and resonates with this attachment style. You know, mm. the anxious, preoccupied, grew up in a house whereby, you know, the father was probably one of the caregivers, usually in the sense of avoidance, you know, and yeah, that is what they have been used to. So yeah. that chaos of pursue, pursue, hot and cold, the drama mm. triangle in the house is what they seek for. So mm. once they see someone that is stable, it doesn't ring a bell, you know. <laughs> they like they often confuse the activated attachment system for love, mm. and and that is a funny thing, okay? Mm. And my life is going, and that's a funny thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's a funny that's a funny thing usually about all this being mm. able to understand that you know but that's how the media has painted it basically mm. Mm. so sorry i i interrupted but we were up to dismissive avoidant and then there's fearful avoidant isn't there yeah so um the fearful avoidant basically i i usually call them the confused set of the map sometimes <laughs> <laughs> because I used to be a fearful avoidant, you know, this confused set of humans. <laughs> kind of, they are kind of confused, you know. Uh, they are the kind that, you know, uh, grew up, uh, no, they usually want closeness. And at the same time, when you get close to them, they disappear. Mm. So they are the kind of people that you see that they say, oh, you know, I want to be loved all right. I want to be loved like this, you know? And when you see someone that is trying to love them, they dismiss it. And it's, so I usually say that on a conscious level, they want certain things, but their subconscious have been programmed with a lot of belief about relationship and all that. So, mm-hmm. And you know, the subconscious mind is what drives the conscious mind. People often feel that, oh, it's the conscious mind that drives the subconscious mind. No. Um, that's why you do a lot of things on autopilot. The things you just do, and you wonder, how did that happen? Mm. You know, I never thought in my life that I'll be able to do that. So usually, these um, fearful avoidant individuals are people that grew up in houses whereby their parents are usually withdrawn, you know. Mm. They usually abused physically or verbally, you know. And some, some usually, some, there are some cases of uh, individuals that usually... Um, suffered from sexual violence mm. and all that. So it did affect them, you know, because, and the basic thing is that because their parents were distant, right, or cold towards them, they usually don't know how to regulate themselves. So they are today anxious, and the other day they are avoidant, mm. but they just flip in between the anxious and avoidant aspects. And, um, some of the characteristics to watch out for them are they are usually resistant to commitments, you know. Mm. They can they are anxious and avoidant, you know. They, th- they sometimes perceive people's genuine support as flaky, you know. Mm. They usually see it from a negative angle. And because too, they have this belief that they are not good enough, that they are not worthy of love. And they usually have the negative view of themselves, the very low self-esteem they have. Mm. All the insecure attachments have low self-esteem. And all the insecure attachments have the tendency to misinterpret people's behavior, basically. Mm. Mm. I love how you said 
yeah, the, the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. And yeah, I've, I've been doing some work with a friend who's in hypnotherapy and the transformations that I've been experiencing with just two hypnotherapy sessions has been incredible. So I resonate with that a lot. And um, yeah, from, from what I've read about um, fearful avoidant, um, it's, a, it's a definitely like a smaller percentage of people are fearful avoidant, um, but it's often forgotten about and not talked about in um, when there's a summary of attachment styles. Sometimes they just say, oh, there's three attachment styles, but there's actually four with the fearful avoidant. Um, yeah, often gets forgotten, I noticed. <laughs> Definitely. Mm. Definitely forgotten a lot. They're almost similar to, to anxious avoidant, aren't they? Anxious preoccupied, sorry, because um, they had that same, like the, the same emotional, like um, parents were there for them. They weren't, they were, they weren't. Or um, yeah, that, that inconsistency, I guess. Would that be true about the two of them? Yes. Um, you know, there's a mixture between um, the inconsistency and um, distant parents. Mm. So there's this confusion, you know. At one part, they are anxious. At the other part, they are dismissive. And, you know, funny enough, avoid, dismiss, um, fearful avoidance are usually, um, I usually say there are like two types. There are those that are fearful avoidance that lean more on their anxious nature yeah. than on their dismissive nature. Right? There are those that lean more on their dismissive nature than on their anxious nature. So usually, when you see the ones that are, like for me, I was I was a fearful avoidant, but I leaned more on my uh, anxious, preoccupied nature than my dismissive. Mm. So usually, um, I, um, um, the outside, I look like an anxious, preoccupied. But I notice that, you know, when someone is trying to get close, you know, um, let's say I, and usually they have this all or nothing thinking, you know. Yeah. They say that I'm having it or I'm having it, you know. Usually things are usually on black and white. About that, mm. but that's just a bit it. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I'd love to delve into your thoughts on, like, okay, once you've identified your attachment style, and and you can do that. There's quizzes online, isn't there? But the way I did was read the book Attached, and then there was a um, a, yeah, like, I, there I, was a an attachment to the book Attached, and I did the quiz and found out it was a really detailed quiz. So if anyone's listening and they want to know what their attachment style, that's an option as well. As, do, do you have any suggestions around how to find your attachment style? It's still the same thing, attachment is online, just mm. like the book attached. You know, that book is really it's a really a lovely book. Uh, mm. that uh, anyone would want to, you know, would want to look into. It's a very interesting book. Yeah. I've read that book a lot. I read it. Mm. Yeah. I must reread it too. Yeah. But I'd love to know your thoughts on um can anxious avoidant anxious preoccupied and dismissive avoidant can they make it work or is your recommendation that um anxious preoccupied look for secure partners i'd love your thoughts on that well uh, they can make it work anything is possible mm. um where where they can make it work there is they understand it you know the both of them coming together to want to make it work mm then it's easy, easier that way when the both parties uh, 
it's coming together as a unit. You say, okay, I understand that I am like this, I behave like this, and babe, I'm sorry when I behave like this. It's not like I don't love you. It's mm. just that. Uh, sometimes I get triggered emotionally. Sometimes I want to go into my cave and process everything, you know, and I'll come back to you. And the other partner knows that, you know, um, where I know that you're not that too deep with emotion and stuff, but can we get to meet in the middle somewhere? You know, it's mm. not black and white thinking. It's not, oh, you have to miss me where I am. And the mm. avoidance say, oh, you have to meet me where I am. But there mm. are lots of shades of gray. You know? There are lots of shades of gray. The two of you are right, you know. You just have to meet in the middle. Okay, um, I can do this and you can do this, you know, and meet in the middle. With that, they can definitely work. The only issue most times of, you know, having issues with them is when most of the avoidance is not ready but doesn't see himself or self as someone that's having an issue, you know, mm. not ready to compromise because they usually have this rigid view and a very funny perception about relationship. They, mm. very, they have this realistic perception about relationship. And some of them are still brooding over their ex. You know, they have this phantom ex they're thinking about. I dated someone who did exactly that. There was like this phantom ex that there was the love of their life and it was like all right oh you know <laughs> and basically if they are not doing they coming together to make it work they are just on their own oh you have to come and meet me where I am um you find that the anxious preoccupied is doing so much so much trying to make it work gets tiring at some point mm. and she just decided to leave and sometimes mm. you just have to know that it's not a job to save people. You know, you can't change people. People will always change. People will, will always change when the need for change is greater than the need to remain the same. Uh, that's one of the quotes I learned from <laughs> one of my coaches. Can I say? The people will always change when the need for change is greater than the need to remain the same. And this means that people mm. sometimes might lose everything. They might go through a very strong breakup. You know, mm. and that they get to realize that oh, I have been foolish all this time. I need to do something. Mm. I don't know if it's for all the attachment styles, but something that just really hit me when I started to learn about it was not everyone is like me in relationship. Like I, I had this really strong um, perception, understanding that I thought everyone was like me but it's no we're, we're all different we all have different conditioning different childhoods different understanding yeah, you know, basically saying that you know um if you you wish everyone was like you and react the way you react and do things the way you do things and love the way you love it'd be easier that. to understand then <laughs> but funny enough it's not like that you know no. everyone's like you it's just uh, being able to understand, being able to make a commitment, you know, to decide to be with this person, you know, and mm. making that energy, putting that effort, you know, because at one part, you always say, oh, I wish everyone is just like me, but the truth, actually, if everyone is really like you, or you did someone like you, you get tired. Because yeah, yeah. At <laughs> the end of the day, you don't really like yourself that much. For someone that has an answer to occupy, that have a low self-esteem, you know, that they, um, someone doesn't love them that much, you know, there will be so much emotions in the head. 
Yeah, and that would be a roller coaster ride. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Why the dismissive avoidance and the dismissive avoidance, they usually don't do it. Mm. Very few. I'm not sure they're going to last. <laughs> because, you know, when this other one distance is yourself, this one says, okay, well, there's no problem. They give themselves their space. You know, it will not be that healthy, you know, connection. There's no need that there. There was always hints to me in my earlier like when I started dating, like that I experienced it like a roller coaster and the highs and lows of of it all. But I could see in my partner and I could get the sense at the time that they were not experiencing it like I was. In terms of the anxious preoccupied, I think they they can experience like their version of a relationship is often extreme highs and extreme lows. And they they will probably begin to sense that in their partner if they're not a secure partner that they're not experiencing it the same way they are yeah and that's another thing too, you know you know um one of the beliefs that the anxious preoccupied suffer from is that their partner would not love them as much as they would love them so there's always this fear oh, don't love me so much don't do this <laughs> don't do that <laughs> Not doing this, you know, there's always a complaint or the other. Not doing, love me everything. Why will they not fly around the world, fly to Mars and back? <laughs> and because they're scared of rejection, you know, a lot of things, you know, mm. you're trying to tell them, say, okay, um, I'll be going for now. They say, oh, you don't love me, that's why you're going. But you need to go to work, you know. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Are you forgetting the fact that you need to go to work? You, your journey to your house takes a longer hour. and Your, your area is not safe at night, you know? Mm. A lot of things, but, oh, you don't love me. You love me, you want me to do this, you want me to do that, you know? Because they always relate with things from their feelings. You know? mm-hmm. And that's the issue most times. Mm. Being able to differentiate between feelings and facts. Mm. And mostly when you are insecure... You you express yourself mostly from feelings a lot. Mm. You're, in, which you're, in which your feeling is biased mm. based on your attachment style. Mm. What are your thoughts on changing attachment styles? Like how frequently might that happen in someone's lifetime and what might precipitate a change in your attachment style? Well, being with someone secure, you know, can start a process, you know, that meaning you have to first of all, give secure people a chance. So being with someone secure, you know, they tend to influence you because they're not trying to change you. They are influencing you. And side that, uh, the other one is probably something shocking, maybe a breakup. And life experiences, you know, tends to alter it as it goes. And yes, one funny thing, you know, if you're someone that's a secure person, if you date someone that probably is a dismissive avoidant or an anxious preoccupied, if you don't take care, you can become an, one of them. You know, you can start showing signs of one of them. Um, and a breakup most times, you know, can trigger your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Life experiences. That's why uh, before people used to, the research was that Attachment style is formed from childhood. 
But as time goes on, we understand that life experiences, you know, genetics and all that still plays a factor. So going into a relationship can either make you better or take you to a worst scenario of your life. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I'm hearing that it's it's very individual, to, yeah, dependent on like life experiences and your experience of relationships. I guess you're more likely to maybe start in one attachment style and maybe go to another temporarily and then come back to yours or yeah I'm just hearing that it's very individual I guess you might not take yeah. a ride around all the attachment styles that sounds like a roller coaster <laughs> really, mostly, okay if you're very far away then usually being will be flip-flopping between the anxious and preoccupied mm. so the moment you're secure you've gone through all mm. the attachment styles mm. Yeah. And that's just it. Mm. I also wanted to ask about how attachment styles might play out um, outside of a relationship. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's almost still the same thing. You know, that particular friend that, uh, for example, in the workplace, avoidance are usually the kind that are very focused. They are very independent, you know. Mm. Can be very independent. Um, if you have the anxious preoccupied, are usually people that are usually people pleasers. So a lot of them say yes to things that they really don't have a business saying yes to. Mm. So outside relationship, you know, they can be distant. You know, the cold, the people pleasers, putting other people's needs above theirs. You know. Um, usually low maintenance. Uh, you probably meet a friend that say, "Oh, they don't really have issues that much." Mm. I mean, you don't really have issues that much, and you have that friend that is always anxious about everything. You know, trying to make everything perfect. The anxiety since has to be like, has to be like, why is it not like this? Why is it happening? Why is this not happening? Mm. Why didn't you call this? Or like, why haven't they called? Or they're rescheduling brunch. Like <laughs> they didn't love me. <laughs> and that's 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 that is outside. Other secure people are usually those that are composed individuals. They don't they're not emotionally reactive out there. Mm. They are all emotionally reactive. They know how to compose themselves. You know, they have good relationship with the parents, you know, mm. and um, all that physically. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed within myself in learning more about attachment styles, learning what my attachment style is, it, there has been a flow on and ripple effect into other aspects of my life. And I think, I, I feel like that's something that, yeah, like maybe the listeners are, um, you know, you're hearing that attachment styles, it's good to know in relationship, but also like the way you might relate to lots of other things in your life. I mean, um, just take this podcast episode. We rescheduled it three times, but we're probably both, both identifying closer to secure and we're like, we're cool. Yeah, I'll work with you. I'll work with you. I'll work with you. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that is true, you know. If not, before, you're like, oh, I don't think he's ready. What do you think? Oh, I'm doing it good. I think he doesn't like my page. I think I'm not doing right. What am I not doing? <laughs> you know that? Yes. Overthinking, you know, mm. they're like, is it going to is it going to cancel it now? Yeah, <laughs> cancel it now. Come down, take a cheap deal, you know. Exactly, but we made it happen. Yes. 
And there was so much emotional tension. <laughs> exactly. None of that. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you work with NLP and I was wondering how that plays out with attachment styles and, um, and how you work with your clients to, to acknowledge their attachment styles and maybe heal them too. Okay, both cognitive behavioral therapy and neuro linguistic programming are just usually about those beliefs and all that. Mm. So, what I usually do with my client is I help them first of all learn those beliefs that have been limiting them. Those biases, you know, I need everyone to approve of me, which is not true. Everyone cannot approve of you, you know. Mm. Apple is making phones and certain people are complaining that the phone is too expensive. He hasn't stopped Apple from making their phones. Mm. They will make it, still want to get it, to go and get it. You complain from now to tomorrow, they'll still sell their product, you know? Yeah. And uh, being able to understand yourself, your core identity, knowing who you are, accepting yourself for who you are, knowing you are not perfect, right? You are not good enough, but you are good enough. No, I mean, you're good enough. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. You're not for everybody. That's just better true. You're not for everybody, but you're for certain people. Those that resonate with you will love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to be like a chameleon. You're trying to be like this, trying to be like that. Imagine trying to get a laptop or a phone that you're confused about. This year they're producing a phone like this. The next year, oh, excuse me, the client customer says, oh, the phone should have this. Do that. Next year, they do this, oh, they do that. You're confused, you know? Mm. People are wondering, why are you, like, stick in one place? Stay somewhere and everyone will know who you are. And that's why, I first of all, help them to do, help them understand those beliefs, help them to learn those beliefs, help them to see that, you know, and reframe those beliefs from them, you know? When um, the belief they say, oh, everyone needs to approve of me. No, everyone doesn't need to approve of people. You know, as long as you are okay with who you are, one doesn't need to approve of you. Mm. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. You know, mistake doesn't mean you are a failure. It only means you don't have information about what you do. You don't have much information. Mm. When you sleep and you fall, then you don't cry and say, oh, I'm a failure. No. You get up, you dust yourself, and you continue your journey. You know? And that's just basically it. Understand that it's okay to make mistakes. You know? It doesn't mean you wouldn't give the best you can with what you have at that time. But mm. it's okay to make mistakes. Mm. Understanding that the reason you're making mistakes is not because you as the person, as an individual, you're not, you, you are a failure. You are not a failure. You just fail in something. Mm. doesn't mean you're a failure. You know? you know, Most of us grew up in houses you know, whereby when we make a mistake, they make us to feel that we are the failure. That's the house I grew up in. You know? Most times we take it, even when we work, you know, when we make mistakes, what our boss do say, oh, you're this and that and that. But the truth is you just have less information about that thing. The moment you are able to understand this belief and learn that it's okay to make mistakes. Doesn't mean you're a failure. Um, everyone must not approve of me, right? And it's okay, you know, whereas things must not go the way I want them to all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to. That's such a beautiful place to start. And I could feel that was really resonating as you said that. It's beautiful like analogy as well. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of attachment styles, isn't that such a beautiful place to start as well? Because you're not 
attachment styles are quite triggering as well because you're both dealing with how you are in relationship and how you are how you were in your childhood and what you experienced in childhood so to start from that beautiful place it's even before you even like start to heal around your attachment style and how far you go down that healing journey how long it takes you to get to secure if you get to secure or if you acknowledge that you're just in, you know understand the the faults of your of your attachment style and just and just the basic things you know, like i was telling you the belief and helping them understand that they are distorted way of thinking giving them a new perspective about life helping them to see uh, life from a new perspective from a new lens understanding that things must not have to go the way they want them neither black or white you know it's not all or nothing it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be my way or no way mm. i don't have to be rigid i have to be flexible you know i can be able to understand your perspective it doesn't mean it's right mm. yeah it doesn't have to make sense to me. yeah but to you it makes sense to you. and for it to make sense to you it's okay yeah but i'm not and you know humans as we humans we uh usually want to be heard, seen, and loved for who we are. Mm. So the moment you are hearing what they are saying, you start dismissing it. The moment you are um, loving them for who they are, mm. giving them a listening here and hear them from where they are coming from, from their perspective, they are able to lower their guard down to hear from your perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, acknowledging just those human needs. I love that of, yeah, being loved, understood. Yeah, yeah. I've started saying that more and more in my life, just when I'm listening to someone and I don't necessarily agree with what they're saying or I'd be like, I hear you. Like, I hear you and <laughs> I don't acknowledge. That's a good yeah. thing. You know? mm. Yeah. Thing, you know. And the next thing is able to help them to question your thoughts, you know. Um, okay, I didn't call. She didn't call back. I called her. She didn't call back, or he didn't call back. Is it because of what I said? Mm. Is it because I did this the other day? Is it because I you start overthinking? It's a story. You know? Yeah. Yeah. so much story, catastrophizing the whole thing. We've dealt with that part before. So now, when you come to this other chess section, you're able to say, okay, no. Is this? Am I basing this on fact or feeling? Okay. First of all. You know by default that you're biased. You are able to read the signs inappropriately. Mm. They are not going to be correct because of your attachment style. So you know, okay, did I do anything? Mm, not really. I didn't do anything, I remember. So is it based on fact or is it based on feeling? Okay, probably fact, based on feeling. Okay. If someone else sees this right now, would they see it from this perspective? Or they'll have a different perspective. Mm. Able to see from people's perspective and say, okay, mm. Mm, maybe I'm exaggerating this whole thing. Maybe it's not as bad as I think about it. You know? But you know, in that moment where emotions are so high, if you don't stop yourself you know, from doing all that, most times we feel that our emotions have a strong hold on us. But it's, it's a lie. What we think, we feel. You know, as long as we're thinking it, we feel it. Yeah. You know, so the moment you tell yourself that, okay, calm down, take a deep breath. This is not it. Because most yeah. times people will say, oh, 
I tell myself, and most times we feel that when we say calm down, then the whole system just shut down. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. When I notice that my mind is going left, going right, trying to catastrophize, trying to think, I think calm down, calm down. I try to calm myself down, things that suit me. You know? For me, I usually take a deep breath, take a stroll, bathe, uh, listen to music, you know, mm. and on how to wait to do all that most times to see people go and watch movies, you know, but do other things to keep themselves busy, you know. Yeah. Avoiding the main issue. You want to be able to sit with your emotions. Okay. Why am I Absolutely. feeling this way? Absolutely. You know, why am I feeling this way? Am I feeling envious? Am I feeling jealous? Am I feeling angry? You know, is this out of my abandonment issue? Mm. It's just the fact, you know, being able to say, does this person really love me? Yeah, they do. Mm. They might not be saying it the way I want to hear them. I think they're doing it in their own way and mm. all that, you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, name the emotion. Yeah. Before I start to shoot attachment star. Mm. You know? Beautiful. Or sometimes I start with attachment star, you know, they start breaking it to all that and they're able to see, oh. <laughs> light bulb, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb. <laughs> yeah. That's why I do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're all connected, you know. Um, the avoidant is all or nothing. That's the distorted way of thinking. Is that my way or no way? No. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't come to your level. Mm-hmm. Great. my way. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Like, this has been really great. Thank you. Like, just all the detailed descriptions of the different attachment styles. I'm, I'm sure it's been, like, um, very, very helpful for the listeners. Yeah. Um, I'd love to end on the note of, um, would you like to tell us about where the listeners can find you, um, where the best places on social media are, and, and do you have anything coming up that we could um, find out more about? Well, usually I'm just usually on my um, Instagram page. I'm still there for now. The dot holistic dot coach. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. just it on Instagram. Most of my contents are on Instagram, and they're very insightful. Uh, anything coming up? Usually, uh, collaborations and you know, talking about all these topics. Really very soon. I think I've been spending for too long. Very soon. Awesome. I cut my all that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited that you continue to listen and we grow this inner glow getter community. The best place to follow along and make sure you never miss an episode is to be following me on Instagram at Kayla.Benson. I can't wait to connect with you all very, very, very soon in the next episode of The Inner Glow Getter. Lots of love.